From 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Jesus is alive. Wow, that's so crazy. That's awesome. All right, so uh, turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, page 1014. So because God's at work in our lives, we want to be in a place, in a position to do what he calls us to do. And so part of that is making good, godly choices. We've been talking about making choices, what choices to make. So today we're going to continue on with that message series. How do we make good, godly choices? And what are those choices we should really make? And so here's, here's, in review, here's some of the choices we've talked about. The first one was choose to refuse to stay behind so we can experience the great adventure that God has for us. Who wants to be left out? Who wants to stay behind? Nobody. We want to experience all that God has for us. So that was the first choice we talked about. Then we talked about choosing the truth. Choose the truth, which is Jesus and his word, so that we can be set free. The truth, if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. The third choice, choose God's desires over our own desires. Our desires will lead us into a mess. But if we choose God's desires, we'll experience his great adventure. The next choice, choose to live by faith rather than live in fear. Did you wake up this morning and say, man, I hope I am scared to death today, right? We don't want to live in fear. We want to instead live by faith. And then we talked about choosing to bring the kingdom of God to this world with a get-to and not a have-to attitude. And today's choice, choose to feed others spiritually, Choose to feed others spiritually. So that's the choice we want to talk about today. Who remembers Y2K? Okay, who wasn't alive on Y2K? Yeah, there's some of you. So if you don't remember Y2K, let me, or you weren't even born yet, let me explain so a little bit about it. And so in the 1990s, scientists and engineers and, and business leaders and politicians began to realize while there was going to be a huge crisis at midnight on January 1st, 2000, if, if nothing was done, the world was going to kind of shut down at that moment. See, the problem was relatively simple, but the scope of the problem was pervasive. It reached around the entire globe. And here was, here's basically what the problem was. Computers at that time had their dates. The year was just two digits. And so when the clock ticked midnight on January 1st, 2000, it, the date would go from 99 to 00. And all of a sudden, the past would become the future. And the computer and the control systems wouldn't know what to do. I worked for a company at that time that made millions of dollars fixing this problem. If nothing had been done, every power plant in the U.S. would have shut down at midnight on January 1st. 
because the past would have become the future and the computers wouldn't have known what to do. And so a lot of smart people thankfully said, we need to do something. And, and millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars were spent fixing this problem. And what happened on January 1st at midnight? Nothing. The problem was simple but pervasive. But the people who knew what to do took care of the problem. And you're thinking, well, that's a great science lesson, Tim. What does that have to do with us today and the scriptures and our lives? Well, let me link the two together. There's a spiritual crisis in our world today. And the clock is ticking. And the problem is pervasive throughout the globe. People are spiritually hungry. I, uh, I, I was interested in Renee's testimony when she shared that uh, a person who is an avowed atheist wants to talk about spiritual matters. Well, when you think about that, that doesn't really make sense. Why would someone who doesn't believe in the spiritual want to talk about the spiritual? Well, because really deep down, he's hungry. He's spiritually hungry. But the solution is relatively simple. Those who have spiritual food need to share it with those who don't. When Betsy and I were in our 20s, we weren't followers of Jesus. We'd both been raised in churches, but we didn't know Jesus. But uh, Jack and Pat Matthews, Lenny and Liz Wong, Ava and Jim Wynn, they fed us spiritually, and we came to know Jesus. And then when we moved back here, left the army, moved back here, um, Pastor Rick Peterson and his wife Karen and, and, and Dick and Pat Smealy, they fed us spiritually, and we grew in our faith. Those people made a choice to feed others spiritually, and because of their choice, our lives are radically different today. We'll live forever. And because of their choice and us choosing Jesus, it's had an impact on our kids' lives and, and some other, other people's lives as well. So their choice to feed others changed our lives. So this is our choice. Will we choose to feed others spiritually? Will we choose to allow God, allow what God is doing in us to cascade into the lives of others? Will we be part of the solution for spiritual hunger that leads to spiritual death that lasts for eternity? Will we choose to feed others spiritually? That's our choice. Now, so as we think of that choice, and we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, the first 12 verses, there's two choices that are preliminary that we need to make before we can really choose to feed others spiritually. And that choice, the first of those two choices is choose to repent. Choose to repent. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, that's the English Standard Version translation. The, the New International Version uh, translation says this. It's pretty similar, but there's a key point I want to make. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And I like that translation better because put away implies you can take it back out. Right? You, you pick up all your kids' toys and what do they do? They get them back out. You get rid of all your kids' toys, 
You don't have to pick them up anymore. (laughs) So Peter calls the followers of Jesus who are experiencing his love and his grace and his power and his presence in their lives, he calls followers of him to get rid of these five sinful attitudes of the heart. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. We know what those are. We don't need to define them. He says we need to get rid of them so that our hearts and our minds will be prepared to feed others spiritual food. And so this is repentance. Getting rid of walking away from sin so that we can experience the fullness of our relationship with Jesus. And we can't get rid of our sin. Peter says, get rid of it, but we can't. The Holy Spirit does that. We have to come to the Holy Spirit with a desire to have that out of our lives. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of what? All unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're to keep getting rid of the sin that infects our hearts. Repentance is not a one-and-done proposition. When I gave my life to the Lord in 1988, I didn't stop sinning. I felt bad about my sin, but I still struggled with sin. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Repentance is not one-and-done. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. It's a good practice to take uh, every day, hopefully every day, to reflect and ask the Lord, what do I need to get rid of? Because sometimes we don't even recognize what we need to get rid of. I like Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as we choose to feed others, we need to first choose repentance on a regular daily basis so our heart is right as we feed others spiritual food. Let me give you an example. So say you're uh, a new lawyer and there's a kind of a tricky business deal tricky case. You could have this idea that, well, if we just just are a little deceitful, not really lie, but just a little deceitful, we'll win. And so you get that attitude in your heart, and you have to repent of it. Lord, I don't want to be a deceitful person. Because who wants to hear about Jesus from a deceitful person? And so we repent so that we can share the love of Jesus with others. Here's another example. Uh, when a dad comes home from work, he's filled with malice towards a coworker. Man, I'm going to get that guy one day. Anybody ever feel that ever? Coworker? They just pushed the wrong button. And you come home, and there's your kids at your legs, and, and they want to hug you and, and everything, and you're angry inside, filled with malice, and who pays for it? The coworker or the kids? 
And you know what? No kid wants to hear a Bible story from an angry dad who's filled with malice. Thankfully, I'm not like that anymore. So if we want to choose to feed others spiritually, we need to choose to repent. We also need to choose to be fed. Two weeks ago, uh, Tommy shared a message entitled, Choosing to Do Kingdom Work. And one of, his, one of his points was this. He said, we need to be training ourselves and each other for the kingdom work God has for us. Well, Peter says the same thing this way in verse 2 and 3. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So we need to long for pure spiritual milk. The NIV version says crave for. We need to crave for pure spiritual milk. And this is an ongoing command that Peter gives us. So like a newborn infant, we need to crave pure spiritual milk. The picture Peter paints is of a baby who wants a bottle. What does a baby do? What does a baby do, Becky, when they want their bottle? They scream, they cry, and they don't stop until when? They get their bottle. Why? Because they know they need it to grow up. They know they need it. They crave the bottle because they know they need it to grow I got to get it, and I'm not going to stop until I do. So what do people crave? What do people crave in our culture? Coffee? Coffee. (laughs) Money? Love? Acceptance? Pleasures? Power? The winning lottery ticket, sorry. Somebody, two people won last night. Not that I'm paying attention. It was just in the news. It wasn't me, by the way. I mean, because I don't have a ticket. Uh, anybody, anybody else? Peace? Comfort? Freedom from guilt? All, all kinds of things people crave. But Peter says, crave pure spiritual milk. When we crave pure spiritual milk, when we eat pure spiritual milk, we'll grow up in our salvation. So we stay, understand more about who God is, who we are, what he's called us to do. We're going to grow. And then we can, then God can work through us to feed others spiritually. And I think we all want to continue to grow up, Right? A baby doesn't say, Mom, give me just enough milk so I stay the same. They want enough to grow. We need to crave pure spiritual milk. So Peter tells the followers of Jesus to crave pure spiritual milk. Then he describes what pure spiritual milk is. Verse 4 through 8. Verse 4 through 8. As you come to him, so in a nutshell, right there in that first phrase, as you come to him, there's your pure spiritual milk. Jesus is pure spiritual milk, and we come to him through his word. So as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God 
through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So what does Peter tell us here? Jesus is the living stone. Jesus is alive. He ascended to heaven after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, after the incarnation. So Jesus is alive. He rules and reigns over the whole universe. He's the living stone, and he's also the cornerstone, the cornerstone of our lives. The cornerstone is the starting point of a building, and the cornerstone, Jesus, is the starting point of real life. Those who follow Jesus find Jesus precious. And because of him, we don't stumble and fall, but those who reject him do. And so the cornerstone is immovable. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the same. We can't change Jesus to fit into our life. Jesus says, come follow me. We don't say, Jesus, come follow me. So what do we crave? And the truth be told, all those things that were mentioned, probably all of us have craved all of those things at some point in our lives. And Peter says there's a better way. Crave pure spiritual milk. Crave Jesus and his word. And so if we crave pure spiritual milk, we'll find ourselves praying and studying the Bible individually and collectively in groups. We'll be drawn into relationships where those relationships help us grow closer to Jesus and not farther away. So as we choose to repent daily and we choose to be fed daily, we put ourselves in a position to be used by God to feed others. So what does Peter tell us about feeding others spiritually? Verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as God works in our lives, we're to be working together to feed others spiritually. We're living stones. We're alive. Amen. If you know Jesus, you're alive. Even if you need coffee, you're still alive. We're a spiritual house, a church family. We're a holy priesthood, the family of God. And we're to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And you can, you can sum up what, what that means, acceptable spiritual sacrifices, into, into this. Love God, love others, and go and make disciples, or go and feed others spiritually. So we, the church family of Kirtland Christian Fellowship, have been chosen to feed others spiritual food. Verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, Jesus, who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. So we're called to proclaim who Jesus is, that he's led us out of darkness, out of death, and into light, into life. 
We've been chosen by God to do that. So we're chosen by God to be a fellowship, a flock of people, here we go, who look like sheep from the front and shepherds from the back. And so looking like a sheep, that's the person who wants to be fed. And looking like a shepherd, that's a person who's feeding others. So from the front you look like a sheep, and from the back you look like a shepherd. Now what happens when followers of Jesus choose to feed others spiritually? Feeding others brings transformation. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so Peter's saying, you know what? You didn't know Jesus, and now you do. That's transformation. And so if you feed others, they will come to know Jesus, and that will be transformation. They didn't know Jesus, now they do. They didn't know his mercy, and now they do. They've been transformed. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Two Fridays ago, a group of KCFers came together here uh, to do what we call Parents' Night Out, and, and they chose to feed others spiritually. A bunch of little kids running around having a great time, but they also were brought together to hear a story about Jesus, to hear the gospel. They were involved in transforming, the transforming work of feeding others spiritually. Last Sunday, a group, went to, a group of KCFers went to Golden Living to, sh- to share the love of Jesus with the folks at the nursing home. Once a, once a month, they do that. Transforming work by spiritually feeding the folks that are residents there. On October 19th, maybe you read about this in the news uh, a 16-year-old Harvey High School student, Yori Timley, he was shot and killed on Menor Avenue. Some people are saying it was over an Xbox, but irregardless, it doesn't matter. He was, he was murdered. It was Friday, two Fridays ago. That Tuesday, Nick and some of the, the other adult leaders at what we call Jam Club, the after-school program at, at uh, Harvey High School, were able to talk about life and death with those students. Some of the students knew this young man who was murdered, sharing spiritual food with people who are hungry for answers. We didn't plan that, just faithfully serving. We've been in Harvey High School, I think, for uh, seven or eight years now. Just a few examples of how we can join God in his transforming work. As he works in us and through us, we can feed others spiritual food, which is a solution to sin and death. When we choose to feed others with spiritual food, we become part of the solution to sin and death. Is that amazing? If you're ever thinking, you know, Lord, what purpose do I have in this life? His answer is, in this life, are you kidding me? You get to share the solution to sin and death with everyone around you. 
Matthew 4.19 says this, Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let me paraphrase that. Follow me and I will make you disciple makers who feed others spiritually. Jesus calls us to feed others spiritually. When we choose, when we choose to feed others spiritual food as a transforming effect. So we get to be part of the solution to the spiritual crisis of sin and death by choosing to feed others spiritually. I want to give you a caution. I'm going to wrap up real quick. Uh, but uh, a caution. Feeding others is a battle. And the battle has two parts. The first part is in verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So part one of the battle is our own sinful hearts. And so that's why we choose to repent and why we choose to be fed so that our hearts are soft and compassionate and prepared to be used by God to feed others spiritual food. And the second part of the battle is this. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we're to live in front of people around us honorably so that they're drawn to Jesus. So feeding...